At this point, I wish it was all a bad nightmare, but it's real. Tonight, hundreds in Abbotsford are left homeless after an overnight fire. Plus, new snow warnings. The areas of the south coast that could be hit even harder in the days to come. Also. Then it really goes to the heart of, you know, am I safe in my neighborhood? It's what police don't know about a new murder that has them concerned. And COVID cosmetic surgery. Why the pandemic has more people going under the knife. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. It was cold last night, but that's when more than 100 people were forced from their homes, a massive fire ripping through their Abbotsford apartment building. As Grace Key reports, many are now scrambling to figure out what to do next. A massive blaze ripped through an Abbotsford apartment building, leaving more than 100 people without a home. It started at about 1.30 Sunday morning on the 35,000 block of Del Air Road. The second patio on the top. John Brackett and his eight-year-old son were sleeping when his wife smelled smoke. When my wife came and got us, she was yelling, fire, fire, I smell smoke, we need to get out now. It was just a frantic thing trying to find both of our cats. Uh, like I said, unfortunately, we could only find one of them. When fire crews arrived at the three-level building, flames were already spreading through a large portion of the roof, up in the attic above the sprinklers. Everyone managed to escape from the building. As a precaution, residents in an adjacent building were also evacuated. On arrival, crews found uh, fire rolling up a wall, first, second, third floor, and half of the apartment's roof on fire. Later that morning, firefighters were able to rescue about a dozen pets and reunite them with their owners. Many residents were staying next door at the Salvation Army Cascade Community Church, where they were given a warm place to stay and food. This is it. I Jump have, out of bed and go. Yeah, I have nothing. Our whole place went up in flames and it's done. Many residents escaped with only the clothes on their backs. They'll be able to stay four nights in a hotel and then they'll have to figure out their next move. I'm doing all right. It's just, it's, 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 it's tough. It really is. So when you think about what you had and it's like you don't have it anymore, but at least we have each other and that's... That's all that matters. While this couple did have rental insurance, many did not, including the Brackets, who lost everything in the fire. We've had some friends reach out and whatnot, but uh, my wife and I have to sit down and decide what we're going to do. Firefighters monitored the building to make sure there were no flare-ups as investigators were on the scene trying to determine what caused the blaze. It's not considered to be suspicious. Grace Key, Global News. A sad update tonight for the search for a 68-year-old man with a brain injury who went missing while out for a walk Friday afternoon. RCMP say the body of Thomas Tremblay was located in a remote area of Burn Creek Ravine in Burnaby at around 11 o'clock this morning by two members of the public who had set out to look for him. An extensive air and ground search was launched when Tremblay failed to return to his East Vancouver home around dinner time Friday. While an official cause of death has not been determined, RCMP say it appears he may have succumbed to the cold. It wasn't as big as Saturday's, but a second winter storm arrived on the south coast today. 
snowfall and winter storm warnings have been issued for a number of areas, including Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley. 10 to 15 centimeters of snow is expected in parts of Metro Vancouver, at times mixed with rain. But it's Abbotsford and Chilliwack that will bear the brunt of this next system, with people in the valley being urged to postpone non-essential travel until conditions improve. Meteorologist Yvonne Shell is here now. Yvonne, what are we expecting? Yeah, the big concern will be for the Fraser Valley, where we've got a winter storm warning and a watch, and we are watching it very closely. We've got the risk of freezing rain, the potential with additional snowfall amounts, a significant 10 and potentially up to 25 centimeters. When I come back, I'll have the timeline and the additional amounts that we're expecting for our family day for Metro Vancouver very shortly. Colleen? All right, Yvonne, thank you. A Surrey neighborhood is on edge tonight after the mysterious murder of a young man there. Police are calling it a head-scratcher. There's no known motive, and the 31-year-old victim doesn't fit the profile of what police are used to seeing in crimes like this. As Paul Johnson reports, even police are concerned. Snow day in the Clayton Heights neighborhood. The scene at the park tells you this is a family-oriented community. And privately, it's one residents will tell you is on edge this weekend. News of the murder of a young man in the Lower Mainland is often accompanied by a known-to-police description and a motive connected to the gang wars, but not this one. There's going to be questions about Adrian, obviously, and given uh, the recent acts of violence, I'm sure there's questions of whether this uh, new homicide is in any way linked to those other uh, homicides, those other acts of violence, and the answer right now is no. Total mystery at this point is a fair description of the murder of 31-year-old Adrian Golifit. He lived alone in this carriage home off of 66th Avenue. Neighbors tell Global News he appeared to have been living there for less than a year. He was polite and said hello, but otherwise kept to himself. His last known communication was around 8 a.m. Thursday morning friend who came to visit found his body early Friday evening. This investigation truly is a mystery and that is why uh, we need people to help us out. Okay, uh, We need to learn as much as we can about Adrian. Uh, we need friends and associates who haven't yet come forward uh, to please reach out to us. Golifit's occupation and community of origin weren't known to the neighbors we spoke with. His online presence offered a few clues about his life though. Instagram pictures appear to show him playing poker, and his Facebook page had a post from an apparent classmate from the Kwantlen Park High School class of 2007, who described him as a sweet and funny guy. Somebody uh, was uh, with Adrian inside that home. Police are holding back the cause of death, as that's information only known to the killer. They're interested in seeing dash cam video from anyone who may have driven through the neighborhood Thursday or Friday. But most important, they're hoping someone will pick up their phone. In Surrey, Paul Johnson, Global News. One person is dead in an apparent shooting at a Kamloops motel. Police say they responded to calls of shots fired just before 8 o'clock last night at the Howard Johnson Motel near Columbia Street and 5th Avenue. One man was found dead inside one of the suites. The Serious Crimes Unit has taken over the case. No arrests have been made, but police don't believe there is a concern for public safety. Officers think this incident may be related to the drug trade. Three Fraser Valley churches held Sunday services again today despite efforts to have them shut down under a provincial health order. The Riverside Cavalry 
Chapel in Langley, the Emmanuel Covenant Reformed Church in Abbotsford, and the Free Reformed Church of Chilliwack are part of a group that has filed a petition with the B.C. Supreme Court looking to have the ban deemed unconstitutional. A judge has reserved decision until Wednesday on a separate application by the province for enhanced powers like arrests to stop the services until a ruling on the constitutionality can be made next month. It's being called a game changer for North Shore Rescue. Members of the team have conducted their first rescue operation using a helicopter hoist rather than a fixed line cable. They were called to, the Vancouver Island, to Vancouver Island this afternoon to get an injured hiker who had spent a night in the cold near Ladysmith. Having a hoist cable chopper will make rescuers faster and safer. We don't have to land anywhere and rig up with a fixed line. Um, the hoist uh, allows us to immediately access the site of the subject and, um, and do a reconnaissance, come up with a plan, and then perform the rescues. Biologist Dr. Karen Bondar has been elected to the Chilliwack School Board after a by-election campaign which saw her targeted for videos posted to her YouTube channel. Bondar parodied Miley Cyrus in Wrecking Ball to explain evolution by natural selection, which some called inappropriate and tried to use to discredit her during the campaign. The mother of four has posted several videos to YouTube and has spent much of her career with an educational focus on reproduction and evolution. She dismisses the claims that some of her videos are inappropriate for a school trustee. I stand strongly behind my entire body of work and, uh, and I think that while you know some, some material was crafted for an audience that's uh, slightly older, it's important for our students to know and understand that sexuality is a huge part of, of who we are and, uh, and they certainly don't shy away from that at all. Bondi replaces Dan Coulter who was elected as the MLA for Chilliwack in October. A somber event was held this afternoon on Vancouver's downtown east side. It's the 30th annual Women's Memorial March. The first was held in 1992 in response to the murder of a woman on Powell Street. They've continued each Valentine's Day since to honor the lives of missing and murdered women and all women's lost lives in the downtown east side. Many victims' family members attended today's ceremony and march. The initial problem is that there's more and more um, murdered and missing women, indigenous women, um, that die each year and go missing. And uh, I've been doing this for 14 years and I thought, well, maybe it would get a little bit better. It hasn't. The march began at Hastings in Maine and ended with a healing circle at Oppenheimer Park. A warning about potential traffic disruptions near Vancouver General Hospital as the city begins work on phase two of safety upgrades on 10th Avenue. Starting Tuesday, construction will begin on 10th Avenue between Willow and Ash Streets and is expected to continue through the summer. The hospital zone work includes new protected bike lanes, five more accessible parking spaces and sewer infrastructure upgrades. Crews will also be widening sidewalks, raising intersections and installing an accessible traffic signal. Phase one upgrades to the corridor between Oak and Willow Streets were completed in 2018. 
Abbotsford Police are following Surrey's lead in naming its top 10 most wanted in time for Valentine's Day. The list of the Fraser Valley's most wanted includes some suspects police say have evaded arrest for more than a year. One of them, 20-year-old Arjun Sandhu, is accused of assaulting a young woman and uttering threats. He was picked up on Friday. Anyone who has any information on the others or knows of their whereabouts is asked to call 911. And with today being Valentine's Day, the RCMP is putting out a reminder about romance scams. The scams, known as catfishing, involve using false romantic intentions to obtain money. Here's what police say you should do to avoid being taken. Do a reverse image Google search to see if their photo has been copied from the internet. Do not send money. If your new online partner is already asking for cash, that's a red flag. Beware of people who fall in love too quickly. If it seems to be pushing all the relationship, the, to be pushing the relationship forward at a rapid pace without having met you, that's a sign of catfishing. And be cautious of people hiding their identity. If they seem serious but don't want to meet you in person, there's a good chance they're hiding something. Cosmetic surgeons in our province are getting a lift, so to speak, during the pandemic in the form of a swell of new and repeat patients. Kristen Robinson has a look at the increased demand for cosmetic surgery and why some believe working from home may be fueling a so-called Zoom boom. While the majority of British Columbians' compliance with pandemic protocols doesn't appear to be sagging, some of us may also be hiding a big reveal behind the mask. Everything seems to be and seems to be uh, busier than it was, but uh, there's definitely an increase in the number of facelifts than there were um, before. She's here to have a facelift. Plastic surgeon Dr. Benjamin Gelfant says since mid-2020, he's seen a boost in people seeking a new look. He's not sure why, but says he gave his own website a facelift when he was shut down during the first months of COVID. I wish you all the best. While he says a Zoom boom is conjecture, Gelfant knows how cameras distort faces. People don't like the way they look on Zoom, apparently. Another Vancouver plastic surgeon confirms a surprising strength in the demand for aesthetic plastic surgery during the pandemic. Thank you again for the presenters. With some speculating that endless Zoom meetings are highlighting facial flaws. I think that's motivating people to act and maybe think about what they can do over and above just improving the lighting when they're online. No numbers yet, just trends. But like in the U.S., the Canadian Society for Aesthetic Plastic Surgery says its members are seeing heightened interest in all cosmetic procedures, with increases in non-surgical body contouring and liposuction due to COVID weight gain and spikes in facial treatments and surgery. I think the Zoom boom is a real phenomenon, yes. Dermatologist Dr. Jason Rivers has a waiting list. Demand for Botox treatments and laser work magnified since he reopened mid-May. Here we go. Working from home allows easy recovery. People can splurge with money normally spent on travel. Plus many, he says, are down after months of the same. People are feeling somewhat depressed that this is going on so long and want to feel better about themselves. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Whatever color that you're doing.
Yeah, an earthquake hit the Banff area on Saturday evening. The magnitude 4.4 quake was more than 17 kilometers deep, but struck just a few kilometers north of Banff. It only lasted a few seconds, and there are no reports of any damage or injuries. But many people say they definitely felt a jolt. You could feel a complete rumble all the way through your body. Like, yeah. I was actually in the liquor store, which was crazy because all the bottles were rattling on the shelf and everybody was running out of the like back closet thing. It was crazy. It sounded like something came through the side of the building. I thought a fridge had fallen over. Like I thought a fridge fell over, but then it rolled for a second. It was crazy. I thought it felt like a truck hit the side of the building that we were in or something. It was super loud and like rumble. Yeah. Could you feel it in your feet? I could feel it in my knees. <laughs> I literally, like an hour afterwards, like my knees still feel all tingly from it. It almost felt like a um, jackhammer under your feet. During the moment, you know, so many thoughts go through your brain at like tens of thousands of seconds. People living in northeastern Japan are cleaning up after a strong earthquake set off a landslide on a highway. It damaged buildings and train lines and caused power blackouts for thousands of people. The 7.3 magnitude quake struck on Saturday. Footage shows cracks in the road, heavily damaged buildings, and a grocery store with bottles and cans strewn across the floor. More than 140 people suffered mostly minor injuries, many of them from falling objects and cuts from stepping on broken glass. Health officials in every Canadian province have confirmed cases of the highly transmissible COVID-19 variant first discovered in the UK. There are also cases of variants from South Africa, Brazil and now Nigeria. As David Aiken reports, there are concerns about their spread as some provinces push ahead with easing restrictions. In the national capital, skaters on the Rideau Canal are out in force on a Valentine Sunday, ready for COVID-19 restrictions to be lifted here and in some parts of Ontario on Tuesday. In Manitoba, some of those restrictions loosened this weekend. Gyms and restaurants now open to 25% capacity, and yet health experts are worried that premiers are moving too quickly. You can't cheat laws of nature through wishful thinking and that is unfortunately what Doug Ford, Brian Pallister and others, Jason Kenney, are trying to do. In North Bay, Ontario, public health officials say they've confirmed their first case of the COVID-19 variant first found in South Africa. That's a variant for which current vaccines are not as effective. It has also been found in other Ontario communities and in B.C. Now, imagine something less controllable with vaccines that is also more aggressive at jumping from person to person and perhaps more deadly when it does jump. And you can see this is not a good track to be on. In the meantime, the B117 variant, that's the one first discovered in the UK, has been found in all 10 provinces. Researchers say it may be up to 70% more infectious and is more lethal. It will very soon, in a matter of weeks or at most, say a month and a half, become the dominant virus in Canada. 
And that, in turn, has put even more pressure on Canada's vaccination program. Manitoba was so concerned about the federal government's vaccine rollout performance, it decided last week to buy directly from a Calgary manufacturer that may have vaccines ready by the end of the year, but only after it says it was turned down by manufacturers with already approved vaccines. We have tried Pfizer, we've tried Moderna, I could go down the list, AstraZeneca, Johnson & Johnson, and so on and so forth. They are not allowed by their deal with the federal government to sell to the provinces. The premiers and the prime minister are expected to meet via teleconference later this week, and domestic vaccine production capacity is almost sure to top the agenda. David Aiken, Global News, Ottawa. There are fears a new cluster of COVID-19 cases on a Manitoba First Nation could be the variant first identified in the UK. Seven probable cases have been detected on the Pongasi First Nation in the eastern Manitoba. The community has been under a strict lockdown since February 2nd. Last weekend, the Canadian Armed Forces deployed more than a dozen personnel to the First Nation to provide support. Samples have been sent to the National Microbiology Lab for genomic sequencing to confirm whether the cases are, in fact, the more contagious UK strain. New Zealand's largest city has been ordered into a new three-day lockdown. Starting tonight, Auckland's 1.7 million residents have to stay at home other than for essential work and groceries after three cases of COVID-19 were identified. New Zealand had gone six months without a single case until now. In the early stages of the pandemic, the government took a hard-line approach. The country has recorded just over 2,000 cases and 25 deaths. A large-scale testing is underway to determine if the virus is spreading. Australia's second most populous state reported new locally acquired COVID-19 cases today on day two of a snap lockdown as authorities scramble to track the spread of the highly infectious variant first found in the UK. Sixteen people are in quarantine at a Melbourne airport hotel. Those cases prompted the five-day lockdown. While there have only been three new local cases identified following thousands of tests since the lockdown was announced on Friday, health officials said the tough curb forces, tough curbs forcing the state's six million plus people to stay home for five days were still needed. This is a high stakes uh, game uh, when, when a virus uh, that has caused devastation across the Northern Hemisphere and many, many other countries in the world and may soon be uh, the predominant variant of concern globally, um, we cannot afford to be wrong here. The spread of another deadly virus is raising concerns in West Africa. The World Health Organization has declared an Ebola outbreak in Guinea, where at least seven people tested positive for the virus. Three of them died. It's the first time Ebola has been detected in the country since 2016, at the end of the deadliest outbreak in history. That epidemic began in Guinea and claimed the lives of more than 11,000 people across three countries. Archaeologists have discovered a 5,000-year-old brewery in an ancient Egyptian city. The brewery had a production cap capacity of some 22,000 liters. It was split into eight sections, each containing 40 clay pots used to warm grain and water. It's believed beer was used in royal burial rituals for Egypt's earliest kings. Government officials are keen to show off the newly discovered artifacts as they try to revive Egypt's tourism industry, which has been dealt a difficult blow during the pandemic. <laughs> 
A little girl is rescued after falling, in, falling into a deep, dark well. We're going to have that story for you right after Yvonne's forecast. But first, have a look at this. A different kind of white water kayaking. After Seattle got the same storm, snowstorm we did, some folks hopped in their kayaks and rafts. This spot in the Queen Anne neighborhood had the perfect hill to slide down and, of course, plenty of snow to do it with. Okay, just when we thought we were finished with all this stuff. <laughs> Give us, give us the bad news. <laughs> yeah, if you've got a kayak, you could use it to toboggan. And we do have additional snowfall amounts. A quick glance at what it looked like. A great shot that was captured by Norman. This was in White Rock today. Day two, our very own Janet Brown capturing this. More tobogganing in Burnaby and Campbell River. We had a significant amount of snow or more snowfall or higher amounts, especially across the island. And here's a glance at the numbers. So for today, unofficially, Nanaimo up to 10 centimeters. Campbell River, we saw that photo up to nine. West Van four and areas near the airport and Metro Vancouver saw anywhere between two and up to four centimeters. Now the concern, especially for the Fraser Valley, this evening, overnight, and for tomorrow morning will be the risk of freezing rain. All areas that are in pink, this model is showing us it's still rain mixed with snow, but we are starting to see that change over to rain. And then we've got the next system that is going to push in for Monday. Most areas will start off with rain mixed with snow, and then it'll change over to rain as we get closer towards the noon hour. That'll be for Metro Vancouver, but the snow is going to intensify, and that'll be stretching in towards the Fraser Valley and continuing all the way in towards Tuesday. So for Metro Vancouver this evening, it's really high elevations that we could still see up to 10 centimeters. Tomorrow it'll be two and up to four centimeters and then five centimeters for higher elevations. So it'll be snow mixed with rain, very similar to what we had today. And it looks like it should change over quite quickly to rain as we get closer towards the noon hour. The concern though with the winter storm warning, that's for Abbotsford and Chilliwack, risk of freezing rain tonight and into towards tomorrow morning, 10 and up to 20 centimeters by the afternoon. And areas near Hope could see anywhere between 15 and up to 25 centimeters by tomorrow night and there is some uncertainty but there could be an additional five and up to ten centimeters for Tuesday so tune back in but we do have active uh, very active weather for the Fraser Valley with a significant amount of snow on the way through the day tomorrow now the northern half of the province will start off as snow changing over to rain two and up to four centimeters it's light snowfall for the northeastern corners of the province much of the central interior will still see a few isolated flurries in the morning and then breaks with the partly cloudy sky towards the afternoon southern interior up Upwards of five centimeters for most areas and then easing off late in the day. Whistler tomorrow is still another chilly one with highs up to minus two. South coast, so we're seeing that next system rolling in tomorrow. It'll be wet snow. Higher elevations is where we'll see most of the accumulation. But we do have the potential like today. Two and up to four centimeters and then it's mild Tuesday, Wednesday. Changing over to a chance of showers and then rain for Thursday, Friday so far. Colleen? All right. Thanks so much, Yvonne. Some incredible video out of Syria where a little girl was rescued after falling into a well while playing near her home. The video shows a white helmet rescuer being lowered into the well with four-year-old Sumaya crying out for her mom. She'd been down there alone in the dark for more than two hours with rescuers reassuring her they were coming. Once he finally does reach her, the rescuer tries to calm her down while he checks for injuries. 
The two were brought safely up to the surface with Sumaya asking for her doll. Remarkably, a medical check found that she was not seriously injured and she is said to be doing well. That's great. A different kind of rescue to tell you about. Larry the Cat is marking a decade as Downing Street's chief mouser in the UK. Larry, an animal shelter rescue, was first brought into the British Prime Minister's office official residence, rather, in London, to oh, the clean up an infestation of rodents, which had uh, been openly parading in front of TV cameras, ick. He first took on the role while David Cameron was prime minister and worked with Theresa May before arriving, uh, before the arrival of Boris Johnson. Oh, he's such a cutie. Other than day-to-day uh, -day responsibilities, uh, he, he has to greet guests at the house, and uh, he's testing out antique furniture for its napping quality, apparently. Just like a cat. Mm -hmm. Seems very confident that uh, no mouse is a match for him. Yeah. You see the way he, Cute. you know, kind of He's adorable. Walks. Yeah. Um, what do you got coming up? Well, Canucks are feeling much more confident. Maybe not as much as Larry. I mean, there's, there are limits here, but uh, they played so well last night, finally bumped their slumps. We'll take a look back at that. And uh, Raptors back in action, highlights. And unfortunately, no more Canadians left in singles at Australian Open. We'll take a look at the overnight match between Raonic and Djokovic as well. All right, looking forward to it. Thanks, Barry. When you think of ski destinations, Portland, Oregon probably isn't at the top of your list. But the city was hit with the same snowstorm we were on Saturday, which created perfect conditions, even if it meant skiing on the streets. We're just trying to have some fun and enjoy winter, like when it happens. The rare occasion. Welcome to Portland. The hottest ski destination for one weekend only. One of the most charming parts about the city, right? That we can't handle snow, so let's just go into it. I love it. Saturday, Northwest streets covered in snow became the site for an impromptu ski race. The Stumptown Berkabiner. More lovingly known as the Berkies. Pets. Kiddos. And a Portland pickle? I was plenty warmed up. Pickles joined us. So I did not expect pickles today, but... Uh, when in Portland, you never know what you're going to see. So. This isn't the first time downtown skiers have taken to the streets. The last time we saw the Berkey was 2017. It, there's not many years you can wear your old Berkey bibs, and this feels like an appropriate time to come out. But was wearing that old bib worth skiing sleeveless? This was a great idea until I stood still for about 20 minutes. <laughs> Keeping it weird and taking full advantage of this extended snow day. Not a bad way to send us <laughs> A bit of a Valentine's theme running through the newscast, including in your sportscast. Well, yeah, I mean, the hug, uh, I think to say the Canucks, they feel like just they're hugging because they're feeling it right now after uh, their uh, performance <laughs> yesterday. Thanks, Colleen. The Canucks are feeling the love on this Valentine's Day. That's what a win does for you. They got the day off with another home date against the Flames coming up tomorrow night. But the guys have to be feeling much better about things after their best team effort of the season last night, smothering the Flames defensively, holding them to just 19 shots, and then finally solving old friend Jacob Markstrom late in the third to snap the six-game losing streak and take big weight off their collective shoulders. What do you do when nothing's working? You change it up. The Canucks decided before the game it was casual Saturday. No jacket required. Brought their work clothes with them. A bit of a theme. Man did the Canucks work, outshot the Flames 20-4 in the first, still didn't score until...
Quinn Hughes goes posting in off Markstrom, who was 3-0 with a 1.00 goals against versus the Canucks this season. Third period, five minutes to go, an unlikely hero for the Canucks. Tyler Myers forces the turnover, walks in, waits, and then fires it through Markstrom. Canucks add an empty netter from Brandon Sutter, outshoot the Flames 46-19, and snap that slump in a complete team effort last night at Rogers. Yeah, obviously we needed a win bad, and we felt like the last two games that we could have won, we played really good hockey, and, um, but tonight to get rewarded is nice. You know, you got to give your team credit too. We, we, we played hard tonight. We played fast, uh, and it wasn't just offensively. I thought we really committed to uh, both sides of the puck. What I liked from our group is we stuck with it. We didn't, you know, deviate from, you know, our system, what we were trying to do. We didn't try and cheat or force plays. And uh, we stuck with it. And we, you know, ended up uh, getting one late at the end there. So it was, you know, it was a big win. Finally break Marky. On a much more casual note, and we mean casual, just to change their luck, the Canucks players, as we saw, decided no suits and ties entering the rink last night. So they put their work clothes on, got a good laugh about it, and it worked. They got a win. I think the guys are pretty uh, pretty excited to kind of switch it up, wear some casual clothes. Uh, we made a thing that uh, we all had to wear uh, work boots coming into the rink. And, uh, you know, I think, um, you know, it showed on the ice that we were ready to work. So it's, it's nice to get a win. Uh, I'm sure we'll keep that uh, casual going. I think we had a lot of fun with that. And um, I know I did for sure. And, um, yeah, I think that's, you know, maybe the, the most promising thing to come out of the win. You know, it was um, pretty cool to, you know, just throw on a jacket and come to the rink. And uh, I liked it. Uh, they would have got my blessing on it. I think uh, maybe the coaches will have to get in on it now, too. We will see. Of course, they play the Flames again tomorrow night. NHL today, Sid versus OV. Penguins' caps never gets old, although Ovechkin had a quiet day. Just one assist. First period, one nothing Washington. Crosby starts the play here. Give and go with former Florida Panther Mike Matheson, who sets up Brian Rust for the tap-in. Ties it at one. 32 seconds later, Brandon Tanev with the rebound in front. Jams at home, his fourth, 2-1 Penguins. Now 3-2 Pittsburgh in the second. They add another Jake Gensel. First shot stopped, fires the rebound pass goalie uh, Vitek Vanacek, 4-2 Pens. Now we don't show empty net goals very often, but how about Crosby? Gets hooked down, but still scores from his knees. Good style points for Sid. Penguins double up Washington, 6-3. Just one other game tonight, Avalanche and Golden Knights from Vegas as playing their first game in nearly two weeks because of covid Early second, Max Pacioretty gets the icebreaker as he'll snap it in. one nothing Vegas, and that was it for anything. Vegas gets the victory. They now improve to 10-2-1. NBA tonight, Raptors and Timberwolves from Tampa Bay. Toronto eighth in the East, 12-14 record, but playing much better the last couple of weeks. They needed a spark from the bench after a slow start. Terrence Davis to DeAndre Bembry, who throws it down. That energized the Raptors. Norm Powell going coast-to-coast, gets the floater to go. Three-point play, Toronto up by one. Fred Van Vliet leading the offense again. A beautiful drive here. He had 19 in the first half. Raptors led 58-54, but the T-Wolves hung 37 on the Raps in the third quarter, highlighted by this violent jam from the rookie Anthony Edwards. 91-83 Minnesota after three, but the Raptors respond in the fourth. A 9-0 run. Kyle Lowry ties it with the floater. Final seconds. Raps down two. Pascal Siakam. 
will drive, but the ball spins out of the basket. That's the third time this year Siakam's missed a last-second field goal that would have tied or won the game. Raptors fall 116-112. They're 12-15. and As the Aussie Open begins its second week, all of the Canadians are out of the singles in men's and women's. There was so much hope that maybe both Felix Auger-Aliassime and Milos Raonic could make it to the quarterfinals, but Felix blew a two-set lead in his match, and Raonic found out Novak Djokovic is still pretty tough to beat even when he's not 100% healthy. Djokovic wasn't sure he would even uh, play in this match because of uh, a muscle strain in his abdomen, but he literally gutted it out, took some painkillers, and it proved to be a pain for Milos. Djokovic took the first set in a tie break, but then Milos got a break of serve in the second, and he would end up taking that set 6-4. His confidence was rising, but then Djokovic just cranked it up. Such an amazing returner of serve, and he started timing that Raonic rocket, cracks the winner, won the third set, 6-1. Fourth set on serve at 4-all, but again, Djokovic with a ridiculous stretch return. Doesn't look like a guy with strained stomach muscles. Breaks Milos to go up uh, by one, and then he will serve it out. Match point, Milos long on the return. Djokovic into the quarters in search of his ninth Aussie Open title. Milos now 0-12 versus Djokovic, and Vancouver's Rebecca Marino on court in a tournament for those who got ousted out of the Aussie, and she lost her first set. We'll update that at 11. Final round of the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Daniel Berger, who double bogeyed the 18th yesterday to fall two behind leader Jordan Spieth, uh, gets back those shots at the par five second. Today rolls in the eagle putt, and he is tied for the lead. Spieth with the 54-hole lead for the second straight week. Did not close it out in Phoenix, and trouble again today. Couldn't finish the job. Bogeys the par five 14th. Jordan would finish tied for second. Berger, meanwhile, from the bunker at 16. And he will almost hold it for birdie. Can't believe it. And then falls back into the bunker. Those are his shoes right there. Pretty funny stuff from Daniel Berger. 18th hole. Berger tied for the lead with Maverick McNeely. Needs birdie to take the lead. So just two putts. But why settle? How about this? A 30-footer for Eagle that just falls in. His third Eagle of the week. It gives him his fourth career PGA Tour win. Finished at 18 under. A two-shot victory. Nick Taylor, the defending champ from Abbotsford, finished 39th at four under. NASCAR season kicking off with the Daytona 500 with fans in the stands. They didn't get to stay there long, but on lap 16, we got ourselves a little fender bender, or at least 16 fenders. Eric Almarola in the number 10 Ford Mustang pushed from behind, goes in hard to the wall. Alex Bowman in the 48, the pole winner, also a hard hit. Kurt Busch, Martin Truex in a group of 16 cars involved in that wreck. And while they were cleaning it all up, they had lightning strikes in the area, so the race was red flagged. They've just restarted after a five and a half hour delay, so they will have a night finish at Daytona, and we'll have highlights at 11. And English Premiership, third place Man United at 19th place West Brom. United has dropped a lot of points to the bottom feeders in recent matches, and it happened again today. West Brom strike first, Mbe Diang making it 1-0, but just before half, Bruno Fernandez with a wonderful goal. It ends 1-1. Man United held to a draw again, now seven points behind front-running Manchester City. That is it for sports, Colleen. Thanks so much, Barry. 
On this Valentine's Day, we are reminded of those who have been lucky enough to find a true love that lasts. Like an Edmonton woman recently who lost her husband to COVID after more than 60 years of marriage. As you're about to learn, her husband even demonstrated his love for her after he was gone. Global's Chris Chacon has more. Alan and I got along very well from the day one. And I think we love each other more than most people love each other. <laughs> Alan and Pauline Oliver were married for 64 years. Together they had four children that brought them several grandchildren, even a great-grandchild. Life was good until a COVID-19 outbreak at their continuing care facility in Edmonton changed everything. Both mom and dad ended up being positive for COVID. And um, on, on the 21st of December, dad unfortunately passed away from COVID. Pauline survived. Throughout their entire marriage, Alan wrote Pauline love letters and poems, a gesture of love he continued until his last day. It must have taken him hours because his hands, he was, he had COVID, he wasn't feeling well, he had, he was very short of breath and uh, quite shaky, but he took the time on the day before he passed to write this card, this Christmas card. Pauline says she didn't know about the card until she found it on the day of his funeral. Alan's last words to his wife came when she needed it most. Our love for each other has proven to be strong and has proven to by the best test of time. Lots of love, Alan. Knowing what it would have taken for Dad to write that much on a day where he was so sick, just it was heartbreaking and, and so amazingly beautiful at the same time because you could see the love that it would have taken to write that card even on the day before he passed for mom. The family also found a picture from their honeymoon in Alan's wallet that he carried with him for 64 years. The picture, now a memory and a symbol of two people who stood by each other and loved one another until the very end. Chris Chacon, Global News. I just love, love stories like that. Very sweet. And, you know, I'm sure they had their rocky points as well, but they just kept going. Love it. Uh, listen, some uh, baby news for you. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex are expecting their second child. A spokesperson for the couple confirmed the couple's first son, Archie, is going to be a big brother and that the Duke and Duchess are overjoyed. The new addition to the Sussex family will be the 10th great-grandchild of Queen Elizabeth II. The Sussex family currently lives in the U.S. after relocating to Los Angeles last year. But of course, we have our own baby news to share. We want you to meet baby Nusha, Global BC producer and reporter Negar Mochtahedi and her husband Give welcomed her to the world Saturday morning. They are overjoyed and we want to send a special thank you to, they want to send, spend a special thank you to their obstetrician, Dr. Rosengarten, Gart, Rosen and they uh, say that they are grateful to him and all of the nurses at BC Women's. Isn't she just beautiful? Beautiful Valentine's Day present. Yes. There. Just fabulous. Congrats, Nagar, and to your family. So beautiful. Can't wait. Absolutely. Really, really want to meet her. Yes. All right, Yvonne, one last look at that weather forecast.
We're watching the next uh, system that is going to push in now for Metro Vancouver, two and up to four centimeters, five for higher elevations. It'll change over to rain quite quickly towards the noon hour, but it's the Fraser Valley tomorrow. The snow is going to intensify 10, potentially up to 25 centimeters by tomorrow night. And we're looking at the risk of freezing rain. Uh, so a heads up, do tune back in. Mark Madrigo will be here first thing tomorrow morning. Absolutely. Thanks so much. And that is the news hour for tonight. Thanks for joining us. Jordan is here at 11. Stay with us now for 60 minutes and a revealing interview with Bill Gates. Have a good night.